The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 81 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm Sean Rapier. I am your host. Thank you again for joining us this week. And we are into March. Hard to believe it. Things just go by so fast. We had some wonderful reviews in uh, February. I wanted to thank uh, Cause Fire for their five-star review and Nampa Man 1953 and Kathleen GS. And thank you so much. I'm just so appreciative of the great reviews that you all give. But I wanted to share this one from Nampa Man 1953. I don't know who this is, but his review simply says, it is great to know I am not alone. Boy, don't we sometimes just feel alone? (laughs) And I love that uh, the podcast provides an opportunity for members of the church to really share their story and to show that we're not alone. And this week, we've got another great conversation. Andrew McFarlane is a daddy blogger, which I love that. You always hear about mommy bloggers, but he is a daddy blogger, has such a great story to tell. That's coming up. And this week in my Latter-day Life, I'll share some thoughts uh, with an experience I had this week of light versus dark. Uh, It's a fantastic experience I had. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today, here in the Latter-day Live studio, my guest is a very influential blogger, runs a great Instagram site as well. I'm so excited to have him on. Andrew McFarlane, welcome to the Latter-day Lives podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here. So, your blog, tell us the name of your blog. The name of my blog is The Papa Perspective. (laughs) The Papa Perspective. It makes me laugh because you are such a talented blogger, Thank writer, but then you. also just you're kind of a general creative guy, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. We're going to talk all about the Papa perspective and parenting and fatherhood and all these good things, but let's take it way back to when you were a little kid. Tell us where you grew up, where Man. you're from. Yeah, so I was born in or- in the city of Orange in Orange County, so about as orange as you can get in Southern, uh, Southern California. Um, and then my family moved down to San Diego when I was about five years old, and that's kind of where I call home, um, more North County, so Encinitas, Carlsbad area. Yeah. And that's it. Like, everyone always was, like, super jealous. Oh, you grew up in San Diego. I'm like, yeah, it was great. But it's kind of funny now that I'm here in Utah. I'm like, man, I, I love the seasons, actually. So it's kind of I'm, fun. I'm the same way. I'm a California boy myself, and... But I love the snow, love it all. Oh, yeah. When did you leave uh, North County, San Diego? So, yeah, it was just for school. I went to BYU-Idaho, uh, did a semester away after graduating high school, and then went on my mission to Colombia. I served in Colombia. Barran- Colombia. Colombia. And then I, I served in the Barranquilla mission, and then when they opened up the newest mission, mission number five in Colombia, Medellin, I got transferred over, and so... That was fun. Then went back to Idaho, met my wife, and here we are in Utah. That's awesome. Awesome. When you were growing up, were you a writer? 
No, I actually hated writing. Um, <laughs> and English was not fun for me. It just felt kind of like you had to write about the book reports. You had to do this. You had to hit 500 words. And I thought 500 words was the end of the world. But it's really only a two to, two to three minute read on a, on a blog or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's just been kind of a fun medium for me. Did you now. ever stretch your book reports into the the main character was very, 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 very cool? So you could get words. I, I, you know, I tried. <laughs> Man, I tried. It's they were so dry. Yeah, but and we were just talking uh, before we started recording that you're a big uh, music guy. Yeah, big, I love big music. fan of music. Yeah. Oh yeah, music. I was a, uh, I was a drummer in high school. Um, picked up the ukulele for a little bit, and then I kind of let that talent die. I played piano for like. I mean, like every Mormon kid growing up plays piano, but I did that for like 10 years. Uh, sadly, I've put music on hold and I've kind of picked up my other love of blogging and photography. Yeah, that's, my, that's my awesome. Thing. So you serve a mission in Colombia. What mm -hmm. do you love about Colombia? Oh man, the people. Yeah. Unbelievable people. People and the food. The people make the good food, so you got to love the people first. But uh, yeah, they're just so kind, so open with one another. That was the thing I really missed when I came back to the United States was you'd just be walking down the street. You already contacted everyone that you've, you know, you've walked by that are near your house. And so you just go, what? You just yell at people <laughs> and then they would yell back and they would love you. And uh, awesome. they're just so friendly. So yeah, friendly. people, the, the, the other thing people, I've, I've been to Colombia a few times, um, mm. The other thing people don't understand is people love to talk about Brazilian barbecue and Argentinian barbecue. Mm -hmm. They don't understand how good the barbecue in Colombia oh, is. It's unreal. Fantastic. Yeah. And I yeah. loved, we weren't supposed to, but it was fried. So we thought it was okay. We'd go to the street vendors and those street vendors, man, yeah. they cook a good empanada, whatever you want. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. It's good stuff. So you got home from your mission. You went back to Idaho. Yep. Went back to BYU, Idaho. Yeah. How'd you meet your wife? Uh, that's a, that's a funny story. Uh, I actually thought her, her roommate was really cute. And so my buddy and I both back from our missions, were trying to make friends and we would like do the Devo dates where we'd try to, you know, time leaving the apartment at the right time. And, and, uh, then I just came to found out that we were really good friends with her and I met her roommate when we were playing volleyball in front of our apartment complex one day and, and then uh, our our mutual friend left to go talk to someone we thought it'd be funny to go and scare her. And so we hid behind this wall, but her friend kept talking for forever. And so we just <laughs> ended up talking in front of these random people's apartment. And we got to know each other and found out we had similar backgrounds. And, and we just kind of hit it off. So when you say a Devo date... That's yeah. a devotional? Yes. Okay. Devotional. It took me yes. a minute. No, good clarification. I'm, I'm, I'm such an old man that I go straight to Diva the band, so... <laughs> no, good, good clarification. A devotional. A devotional, yeah. yep. Yeah, what did you love about... Uh, I was about to say Rick's. That's, again, <laughs> yeah. old, man, old yeah. man mode. No, you're good. What did you love about BYU-Idaho? Uh, what's funny is that I loved that BYU-Idaho wasn't BYU. I'm going to offend a lot of BYU fans, but I grew up in a Utah household, uh, and so it was kind of like a thing where I never wanted to go to BYU, but I didn't want to have to pay for the U because I knew, you know, tithing dollars and all, I was able to make it through BYU, Idaho debt free with scholarships and all. It was great. Um, but I just loved that it was very low key. Um, and I grew up going to a super sports focused and very preppy kind of high school. Yeah. And I just wanted something slower. 
Yeah. And BYU, Idaho was that. Rexburg is one of the coolest towns, and people don't realize it. It's a hidden gem in the middle of nowhere. Great little restaurants, great music scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the little bands that spring up out of Rexburg, it's just awesome. It's fantastic. And then a lot of the Provo bands always make a stop in Rexburg, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very fun stuff. So you end up, uh, how long did you date before you married your wife? Oh, let's see. We dated for like nine or 10 months and we were engaged for, I think, six months. So it was like 15, 16 months before we were married. Awesome. So you got married. Did you stay in Idaho for a while? We were in Idaho just to the end of school because my wife, she got a a degree in early child and special education. So she had to do her student teaching. uh, And the best for us was just here in Utah. We knew we had family here and resources. So... Was it your plan to settle down in Utah or did was it what happened while you were making other plans? It was just kind of what ended up happening because yeah. we, my wife's from San Jose, California. We we're two California kids that had to meet in Utah or in Idaho. By the way, I'm from San Jose. I'm a San Jose oh, native sweet. myself. Yes. Yeah. And so. Great love for San Jose. So we, we both love California and like that was kind of our dream is like, we got to make it back home. Got to make it back to California. But then as you know life happens her student teaching opportunities didn't take us back there it was either stay in rexburg utah uh nevada and i think somewhere further further east and we were just like you know what utah makes the most sense because we got family and just in case we start having kids we've got people that are close by that can help out and so we just kind of felt like that's what drew us to this area and then we ended up really loving it i mean the mountains there's no other place yeah like the valley so and for our listeners we you know we've never met before we've never talked i actually reached out to andrew out of the blue and just yeah. said hey i love your blog you should come talk talk to us but we live a couple miles apart <laughs> five minutes it took me five minutes to drive here <laughs> we literally realized we live so so remarkably close and it's a cool area oh, i mean yeah. i just i love it out here two minutes to the mountains yeah what was your degree in uh business administration but i had two little like emphases, like mini degrees in finance and marketing. Yeah. So I love meeting people who are true left brain, right brain, mm-hmm. because I mean, it, it definitely takes a lot of creativity to do your, to do your oh, blog yeah. and your yeah, Instagram feed and everything else. But at the same time, your day to day job is very, there's no creativity driven. to it, right? It's, I mean, it better it's, not be, I guess. <laughs> I'm, I'm the only creativity is where I put my numbers in Excel and how pretty I make the numbers look. So yeah, tell us what your, what your day job is. Yeah. So I'm a financial analyst and budget manager, forecast manager, whatever you want to call, uh, for a tech company here in, in Salt Lake, part of the Silicon Slopes, Kuali. They build software for universities like uh, grant research management mm. software or emergency preparedness, business continuity software or accounting software. It's kind of yeah. what they do. So somewhere in here, you get the idea to do a blog. Yeah. Was the Papa Perspective your first blog? No. So I originally, when I was living up in Bountiful, I was working for Cafe Rio as their financial analyst, mm. analyzing burritos and tacos and deals and all of that. <laughs> that was that was fun. Um, and then. We were living, uh, well, actually, this was, we were living in Midvale before we were in Bountiful, and uh, I had always kind of wanted to do a blog because I did an internship for a garage storage company up in Rexburg, and I really liked the idea of blogging, but I didn't like doing it for other people. I wanted to do it more personally, and so when we found out my wife was pregnant, I'm like, 
okay, this is, I can do a fatherhood blog. And I just never really started doing it until after we went, it went through all the, the, the kind of trials with my son. My son was born with a congenital heart disease. And so like seven days old, he went through, um, uh, open heart surgery and stuff like that. And that was a whirlwind of things to have as a first parent who wish it upon no one. That's it's unreal. So, um, so this was, I want to hear a little bit more about that because yeah. I mean that, that to spark now you're a lot of things are, are making a lot of sense about this passion for yep. fatherhood. Cause I mean, you're, you're it's going where, through this is where it all started. Times. Right. So did you know pre birth that he yes. had the defect? Yeah, so I think it was at like 24-month ultrasound, we went in, and then it was kind of like everything was fine, and then you see something kind of on the technician's face, and then she leaves the room and goes and talks to somebody, and you kind of like get this little uneasiness in the room, and then she says, oh, we're going to send you to primary children's across the way just to do an echocardiogram, we just want to double check the heart, and that's where it started. And then we went in for the echocardiogram, and then they t- originally told us that it was just a coarctation of the aor- aorta, which is just your aortic valve is pinched. There's a little pinch mm. in it, so it's going to increase the pressures. Uh, and that was the original thing. But then after Eli was born, they had to um, they had to basically pass him through a window straight into the NICU af- right after he was born immediately because they had to get some medicine flowing to keep a different valve open so that the pressures would be fine. And then they did another echocardiogram and found out he had the hyperplastic left heart syndrome. So the left side of his heart was smaller than it should have been and working twice as hard. But, um, but yeah, it was kind of from all those trials where I was like, yeah, I'm going to start this blog and share my story and kind of how I went through the phases of, of, you know, depression, the whole grief cycle and things and how I dealt with it as a father and the things that I went through. Of course you did. I mean, so he had open heart surgery at how many days? Seven days. At seven days. Oh, incredible surgeon. The man is a godsend. And because uh, we, that whole week was, I, I've got a blog post on it called, it's called Hell Week because we, the whole time it was one doctor said, okay, we're, we're going to combine his two lower chambers and he's going to have a three chamber heart, but he's going to have to come in for two more surgeries and he's going to have a lifespan of like, 30 years less than he could. And then the next day they're like, well, his heart's functioning well enough. We'll keep it four chambers and we'll see how it goes. And they kept flip-flopping back and forth. And then I think it was a Sunday, the day before surgery day, the surgeon came in and he said, okay, I'm ultimately responsible for this kid's heart. And all these cardiologists keep going back and forth. I'm going to keep him four chambers because that's the best situation for him. I believe it'll do fine. And we were like, Okay, you're the man. We trust you. And um, he went into the surgery, and what I think it was like eight, ten hours later after surgery, we went in and saw Eli, and he's like, "We left it four chambers. Everything seems fine. I fixed the fixed the the pinched aortic valve, and pressures seem to be normalizing. And now, ever since two and a half, yeah, two and a half years later, now he's totally fine. Like all the doctors are impressed because he's he's huge for a two-year-old. Everyone's like, he's bigger than my four-year-old. So he's, he's our little miracle kid. And I love that. We had a lot of good spiritual experiences along the way. So, so uh, yeah, what is, I mean, what is that trial of faith? We actually had another blogger, Jason Bringhurst, uh, who runs the Rocky Mountain Sunshine blog. 
um, whose son was born with hydrocephalus, and he mm. talked about that journey. What's the spiritual journey at that time? I, I know, you know, we've had, uh, we've adopted some kids, but we've had two sons also, and they came out really no major problems. Right. And I remember how remarkably emotional that was without 100%. the big problems. What was the spiritual journey like? It was, thing was, is we, since Eli was our first child, we had no idea. So when they told us that he was going to have issues after being born, we were like, okay, but there's doctors, they'll just fix it. That's what mm. they do. We've got amazing surgeons here in Utah and Primary Children's is one of the best in the nation. And and so we weren't worried until that week, really, until after he was born. Um, and it was then where it was just, I remember it was the day that Eli was born and we went down to visit him because he had to get transferred to primaries from the University of Utah where my wife gave birth. Um, and the, it was, I mean, bless their heart. They were student nurses and they came and like dropped huge atomic bombs. Like your child's going to have difficulties. It's, it's They did not have bedside manner. Oh. Uh, and so that, that night we were just crying. We were praying. Um, total roller coaster. But then it was, I gave Eli a blessing and I just blessed that he was going to like, that his heart would be fine, uh, that the surgeons would know what to do. And that regardless of the outcome, our mm. family would be fine. And we witnessed the miracle that we were blessed to have Eli with us still today without any complications. So. Yeah. It's amazing to be able to look at the blessings of oh, it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's the, it's, and we've had trials with our own children where on the one hand, I would never w wish it on my worst enemy because oh, it's no. the hell that it really is. I mean, that's the only word that, that comes to those things with oh, your yeah. children. But at the same time, you really can say I'm grateful for it because of certain yeah. other things I understand. You know, I mean, your appreciation for your son is different than people who haven't gone through right. those steps. Right. So now that makes a lot more sense with the launching. I hadn't read that blog post, but, but with the launching of the Papa Perspective, which, what a great name. How did you come up with the name, the Papa Perspective? Yeah, and what were some of the other candidates? Yeah, what's funny is the the original blog name was the Hey Dude Dad. And it's just because... That's right, yeah. Right. And that's just because I would always say, Hey Dude, and then I would do some dumb video originally. Like if you see on my uh, Instagram, you can go to the highlights and it'll say HDD Classics. Those are some of the original stories that I loved doing on on Instagram, and and I every once in a while I still do them. But uh, yeah, so it was the Hey Do Dad originally, and then once I it, it was it was only recently I think it was this January, it was like the second week in January that I changed the name over. But before that, I was working on redesigning my website with Wix, and and I was thinking, you know, since I'm redesigning this website, why not focus on changing the name because I'm having another son, and the Hey Dude dad just kind of related to Eli. So I wanted something more all encompassing, especially if we have a girl in the future. And I was talking with people at work and the, the VP of marketing at where I work right now currently. And she was awesome and helped me with picking out the names. And we were like, what's like a fun alliteration or something in the pop-up perspective. Let's go on Google and see if it's available. And it was available and we ran with it. So. I'm amazed. It's such a great name, the pop-up perspective. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I'm shocked it was available. I know, me too. Like that's a, well, to get that kind of alliteration the, with full real words. Yeah. The original website of just pop-upperspective.com is taken by some guy 
with a random website. So I had to add the to it, but it ended up working out. It works out well. Yeah. So um, what was your first post? Uh, my first post way back when I was doing the Hey Do Dad was like, why to start a blog? And I think it was just to kind of help me understand why I was wanting to start a blog. Um, and then after I did that, I talked about following your passion and then I ended up sharing Eli's story in like five or six segments. I still have like one more piece to that I want to write. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where it started. How is, how is your wife with, with all of this? At the beginning, she was a little hesitant because I was about to drop like 1700 on a new computer, <laughs> 800 bucks on a camera and a couple lenses to take good photos. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no past history of success other than I was a good student at school and I work hard. Um, but yeah, so we kind of took some um, extra money probably from like a tax refund or something and put it towards the computer. Uh, it took a while, but it eventually just started growing. Yeah. And so, Do you remember the early comments you got or the early feedback from the blog? It was, it's all been really positive because a lot of, because the thing is, is, is there's a lot of dad bloggers in the UK is my understanding, but here in the United States, like mommy bloggers, there's a dime a dozen, they're all over and, and, and it feels like half of them originate from Utah. There's just tons and they do very well and they're very successful. But I kind of felt like, um, there it hasn't been like a dad's a dad side of things, a dad side of life of what it's like to be a father, and and I'm slowly finding other fathers out there. But yeah, it's been super positive. People love seeing the dad side of life, the pop up perspective. Yeah, mommy blogger is everywhere. Yeah, and then I did some just doing some research before you came in. I found there were a lot of male family bloggers, more like here's something for my wife or mm -hmm. or life bloggers more yeah. that where family works into it. Mm -hmm. Why do you think there are so few? Because I couldn't find, I mean, there were hardly any, or if there were, they were like super specific, like about, you know, a child with a certain something going on. Mm -hmm. Whereas yours goes into all the parts of fatherhood. Yeah, why, right. why do you think there are so few? I don't know. That's a, that's a fantastic question. I would assume it's just because, guys have varying differences differences of what they like to do mm. and there's a lot of guys that like sports or or if there is some sort of side hustle that they're working on it's not writing about their life it's you know i'm gonna go start this app or i'm gonna go start this or figure out how to work the stock markets because that's what's been done in the past uh and generally speaking a lot of the the caregiving you'll see is mothers and you generally think of, well, mothers have a lot of time at home during nap times or evenings or whatever. And they mm. just like to write and share. So maybe it's just my creative personality. That's just a little different where I kind of took this and ran with it. So, And in some of your posts, you get very vulnerable about oh, yeah. your feelings and 100%. everything else, which I love. I applaud. And I think it's just awesome. It's been a goal of mine to be more genuine and more forthright about that stuff so it's been a great medium for me to achieve that goal well and and you've done it i think that that's awesome. something that's Glad very hard for some men to do to be oh, that vulnerable that open 100 percent. yeah it's well, pretty cool and i think there's this general i listen to a lot of um podcasts because there's a lot of great podcasts for for men specifically on how to be a better man and things like that so i listen to a few of those and 
some of the themes they say is, yes, for men, you do want to be tough. You do want to be strong to protect, provide, and preside for your family. But we need to understand our emotions as men, that our emotions aren't bad things. Things you've done in the past are just things you've done. It doesn't define you. So as long as you understand what you've done and you can take those emotions, analyze them, and use that to your advantage to say, okay, this is what happened. This is how I feel about it. This is an emotion I had. Now I'm going to take that and I'm going to build upon it to become better. Yeah. I I think there are too many men who equate honesty or vulnerability with weakness. Right. Where it's really the opposite. It's saying, hey, here's something that I'm going to share and how I'm turning into a strength. Right. But I think even maybe maybe even more so in the church, we feel like we have to be this, okay, there are more traditional roles, so I can't Mm -hmm. open myself up. That and then also just the like, I, I I've felt like it, the church is making some great strides towards the whole purpose of church is because we're not perfect. It's not you become perfect and then you go to church. It's you go to church to help you become better. And I like that that swing. And that's definitely something I I hope I'm exuding is you know parenthood isn't perfect either. You don't become the perfect parent and then you have kids. Because it's impossible to do it that way. (laughs) You have kids, you screw up, you laugh when you shouldn't because they did something wrong and you need to discipline, but it was too funny. But yeah, yeah, I mean. Have there been, have there been any experiences that you and your wife have had or that you and your son have had or anything that you've wanted to write about and you just decided, no, I can't, I can't put that out there. Um, I don't think so. Like I've, uh, I've, I've put some, some funny stories out there. I can't think of anything that that there's I'm pretty open with yeah parenthood and stuff. Your so. blog is very open like it's one of the reasons I love it is I kind of feel like I know you even though we haven't met before. What uh what parenting stories have you shared on your blog that people really respond to? What are some of the funnier experiences or some of the A more lot touching of the, experiences? What's funny is is I I saw all these mommy bloggers with you know the letter boards the little yeah i wanted to get to that and and i'm like man those are so dorky like those are so dumb and then i bought one to kind of like make (laughs) to use to make fun of mommy bloggers that do it and i can see why they work they're great i get a lot of fun engagement on those oh my gosh your photos on instagram with the letter and so that our listeners know what we're talking about it's the the board, you can punch in the, the, felt the letters, the, the felt boards, you mm-hmm. stick the letters, it puts out a message out there. Yeah. But you use it so differently than mommy bloggers. Yeah. It's it's kind of, well, it's, I have that advantage of the fact that I'm a dude. Like I, I've, yeah. I've got a different perspective to things and the way I do things as a father is different as a mother. There's a lot of funny mom word letter boards that I've seen out there where it's, you know, like a hard day and two glasses of wine is all I need to get through this day. But then I'm like, you know, I can change a diaper with one hand. What's your superpower? (laughs) I don't know. It's, it's just kind of fun to share. And and, I mean, how can I not take advantage of dad jokes being a father and a letter board? Like it was just a match made in heaven. Yeah. One of the funniest ones that just made me laugh. And, and I don't know how you got your wife cheers to your wife for being in this one. But uh, your letter board said, honey, you were both sitting in bed. Oh, yes. And it said, uh, honey, well, tell us what it said. Yeah. Uh, I can't. I can't. Let me. Let me I, I'll tell you. I know exactly got, what it said. If you've got it no, in I front know of me, exactly what go it ahead said. and read it. What it said was, uh, 
your your wife had her hand plugging her nose. Yep. And you have this look like, oops, sorry. And yep. it said, uh, it said, honey, don't lift up the sheets. Uh, I had the spicy beef tonight. Yes, that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's funny is that actually came off of memory. I had the Beijing oh. beef from uh, Panda Express. Oh, and that's so funny. Lord bless my wife. It was a rough <laughs> night. I couldn't handle myself. <laughs> It's Ugh. it's just stuff that you know that dads do, and it's it's. So when you go to your wife funny. and say, "Hey, I really want to do this oh, letterboard," she, she dies about you know spicy beef, and you have to plug your nose. Uh huh. <laughs> she she's like, "I don't want to do that." And I'm like, "Come on, it'll be funny. It's not about you. It's about me and dads." And then she's like, "Okay." Yeah. She's she's turned down a couple of my ideas, but that one she she let me she let me do. So you've got thousands of followers now which is just so awesome and that's led into um some sponsorships now you're actually reviewing products sometimes reviewing products sometimes just taking photos with them how did that all happen it started really really small like there's there's a couple of apps out there and if people want to reach out to me i've got some ideas on if you want to do the influencer thing on some places to find smaller companies to start. And you get a lot of good practice of just trading a post for a, a product or something simple of, of lesser value. And as you gain in more follower followers and higher engagement, um, you get bigger deals. Like now I've worked with the Toro company and I got a snowblower, which was a huge blessing this winter. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of snow. <laughs> and uh, so I've worked with them. I've worked with Pizza Hut. I've worked a lot with JCPenney recently and, and things. So it's it started really small with a lot of small little nifty gifties, like a car cologne, I think was the first ever one. I got this like thing that you hang. It was a subscription and you hang it to your... Um, uh, hang it in your car and it helps your car smell better and you get a new one every month. And that's where I started. And I went from there all the way up to doing brand deals with major brands and things. So it's, it's fantastic. It's and a lot of fun. it is super on brand. Like your, I think your latest one was the daddy or the kid backpack. Uh, well, one yeah, of the with, later ones. With, yeah. With yeah. Uh, Chico and yeah. their, their toddler backpack, the ca- toddler carrier or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That is just amazing yeah. to me. Um, have you had any that have suggested that have not been on brand for you or that you've had to say, no, that doesn't work for me. I don't know how all this works. If they come to you or if you go to them. A lot of times um, at the very beginning, I was doing a lot of reach out to people. Uh, And it's, but now over the, over as time has grown, a lot of uh, it's a lot of third party agencies in behalf of a brand that reach Mm. out to me. And so I do, they'll reach out to me and I do content for them. They send it back to the brand and their marketing team. They review it and they approve it or not. That's the process now. But back in, back at the very beginning is I was reaching out to a lot of smaller companies where it was like, I was reaching out to the, the owner because the company is a small business. Yeah. And so I would reach out to them and, and start there. But, uh, yeah. Have you been approached by any brands that are not in line with your values? Like have you had a beer yeah, no, like yeah, that? I've had a couple of, uh, like, beer brands, because they're like, I'm a dad, and dad's like beer and stuff, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, sorry, I just, alcohol's not my thing, I stick to water, it's yeah. cheaper anyway. <laughs> um, no, so I reach, I say, hey, sorry, I don't drink, it's not my thing, or I've had a couple brands will reach out, and I try out whatever their thing is, and then I reach back to them and say, hey, sorry, I'm not a huge fan, I'm not 
the best fit and I, I don't feel comfortable promoting something that I'm not comfortable with. And Ooh. so I've, I've turned people down after trying out their thing or I turn it down if I don't have time. Yes. Yeah. Time is short when you're a dad and trying to sure. run three side hustles and a day job. So Yeah. It's important for our listeners to know that one of the reasons we're meeting at the time we're meeting is because Eli's taking a nap. It's nap time right now. It's a great time <laughs> on a Saturday. <laughs> and it's important to note your your blog is not a Latter-day Saint no, it's dad not. blogger. Nope. But themes of faith kind of weave in and mm-hmm. out of some of your right. posts. Have you had listeners who are not members of the church ask? Like, I think I could tell, maybe it's the Utah thing, but I think if I mm-hmm. didn't, in fact, I didn't know. I really didn't know that you were a yeah. member of the church. Right. When I reached out to you, I said, here's what our podcast is. This if is it what fits, I always said. Reach back. If this seems like a fit to you, because right. I didn't even know if you were a member of the church for right. sure. But I think I, I kind of figured you were. Mm-hmm. You see, I don't know what it was. I can't tell you why I thought you were, mm-hmm. other than that I knew you lived in Utah. Right. So, I mean, have you had non-members figure that out or ask or anything like that? No, I've had some uh, some people in my comment section and, and in the direct messages um, or DMs, as the cool kids say these days. The DMs. Yeah, slide into the DMs. Um, so a couple people have reached out and and they've mentioned to me that they're of Christian belief or Jewish or something of some sort of religious belief and that what I'm doing is great. Um, but yeah, I just feel like I, I really try to tr- hold to traditional values of I think fatherhood is super important. Fatherhood is very involved with your kids and fatherhood is also a a team effort with your spouse. I just have a more, more focused on me than me and my wife. Instead of, like you said, it's more focused on it being a daddy blog versus a right. family blog. Yeah. So you've now done this for how long? It's been a couple of uh, years. Two years. Yeah. This, two years. This May. Yeah. So you've obviously learned a lot and you've been part of this, oh, yeah. this whole world. You've got, if you've got someone who's about to become a father for the first time, huh. give us your best advice. Oh man, uh, learn to meditate and, and ha- learn patience through that. Cause my heavens, I, I don't know what it was. I was, I even looked this up. I got furious when Eli would cry. Like I just inside me, I got super angry. I'm like, what is this? And I looked it up and apparently it's something like, I also get super angry when people chew loudly. I don't know why. It's just something in my brain. Yeah, me too. Um, but I just got furious. I'm like, what do I do? How do I, how do I solve this? And I just worked with my wife and, and learned to have patience and learned that he's crying because he needs love and he needs stuff. And yeah, as being a, first time dad, I went through like, I went through postpartum depression of like, am I doing this right? Am I, can I be a father? Can I do all of this? And it's like, okay, you'll be fine. Just take it day by day, have patience, learn love. And so, yeah, I did a lot of meditation to build patience. I believe it. I totally believe it. It's hard. I mean, it's a lot. And you're about to get doubled up on. Oh yes. Yeah. We're like four or five weeks away (laughs) from round two and we're about to lose sleep again. So I'm not super stoked for that part, but I'm excited for all the little, little cuddle moments again. Yeah. I think it'll take you into a whole new thing with the Papa perspective. Oh yeah. 
So if people want to follow you, what's the best way to what's the best way to follow your adventures? Yeah, best way to follow my adventures it would be Instagram at uh, the Papa Perspective. I'm also on Twitter. I do a little bit on Twitter where it's Papa underscore Perspective without the e because that wouldn't fit. Thanks Twitter uh, <laughs> or thepapaperspective.com. Yeah, and you're still blogging. You're still oh, writing. Yeah. Oh, a yeah. lot, because a, a lot of people have shifted from blogging. We've had some bloggers, I mean, true bloggers, Jenny Noonan Dye oh, okay. has been on the show, and, and Brad McBride and and Jason Bringhurst, some real blogger bloggers who are like, nope, I like the medium of writing, and I'm mm-hmm. sticking with it. But you're also a, a photographer, yep. videographer, yep. you do a lot of that kind of stuff, and that feeds in. Your, your stuff is obviously very professional. What you put yeah, forward, yeah. it's it's really good. I've all the a lot a lot of the money I've made has gone gone right back into it. Yeah, what role do you think humor plays in being a father? Oh, if you don't have a sense of humor, then bless you for trying to make it through life because there are just too many moments where you're just like that was funny, or you need to make something funny to make those hard days easier. So humor is everything for me. My wife and I were laughing every day. I love it. Love everything you do. I, I would highly recommend that our listeners go check out the Papa Perspective. Like I like I told you, I don't normally do this. I mean, I just reached out to you because I somehow ended up, and I don't know how I ended up following you on Instagram, mm. but uh, it makes me laugh every time. There's something about, it was the first time I saw the letterboard. Oh, I was yeah. like, here's a dad doing letterboards, but in such a different way than what you see right, mommy bloggers right. do. It just, uh, it's just very funny. Yep. So I would say it's, it's definitely worth following you on, on Instagram and following your blog. Um, I want to wrap up with the same question that we ask every one of our guests. There's no okay. right or wrong answer. We've had 30 second answers and we've had five minute answers, All but right. it's for you, Andrew. Uh, what does being a member of the church mean to you? I didn't prep Andrew for this no. question, by the no, way. That's a, that's a great question. Didn't know question. this one was coming. What does being a member of the church mean to you? Being a member of the church. To me, it means being human, but realize that you're loved by something greater than, than you. Um, and, and I feel like that definition has changed for me throughout the years to where I've gotten to this, what, at least what I would believe is a mature understanding of what it means to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, is because growing up, I felt like I grew up, grew up in a very awesome Mormon home. But that's kind of what I felt is, is it was very much a Mormon home. Like there's do's and don'ts on Sunday. There was do's and don'ts and everything. Um but as I feel the churches, especially, I feel like the, the emphasis on, on, we need to, we're not rebranding. We're just restating what our name is, is we're, we're kind of eliminating this Mormon culture and we're going to the church of Jesus Christ, um, which is we're all human. We all make mistakes, but we're loved by something greater than ourselves. And, and it's okay. We're just striving to be better each and every day. Awesome. Awesome. The blog is The Papa Perspective. The Instagram page is The Papa Perspective. He is a blogger, a photographer, definitely a proud father, soon to be a father of two. Andrew McFarlane, thank you so much for yeah, sharing your latter-day life with this us. Been fun. We appreciate it. 
and my thanks to Andrew for coming in and sitting down with me. He was so much fun. We had such a good time. And please go check out The Papa Perspective. Andrew's a very talented writer and very fun following his Instagram, as I said. Uh, This week in my latter-day life, uh, I was down in Southern California, as I often am, and decided that rather than flying home like I normally do, uh, that I would drive back. And part of that is that my son lives in Cedar City, Utah. One of my sons lives in Cedar City. And Cedar City is uh, just a few hours, about three hours north of Las Vegas. And I just hadn't seen him for a while. He wasn't going to get a break from work for a while. So I decided to drive up. I spent a night in St. George and then got to go out to dinner with my son. And we went uh, and did some shopping and hung out. And I just loved it. I love my children. And it was so fun to get some time with him. And then I left and was driving back home. Now from where he lives in Cedar City, back up to my house. It's not too far. It's a little over three hours. And I had some free rental car points that were going to expire. So I cashed them in for a free rental car. And wouldn't you know it, the rental car they gave me was a brand new Camaro. Oh, man. I felt like I was in uh, Knight Rider. It was so awesome. And it was the Camaro SS. I mean, it was fully loaded. And uh, so in honor of the Camaro, which I think of as a 70s and 80s car, the whole drive up, I was blasting uh, 80s and 70s music and really, really enjoying the drive. Uh, but it was quite quite late by the time I got out of Cedar City. And, and so I wasn't going to get home until about 11 o'clock. And as I was driving, I started to get tired and knew that I just needed a little bit of fresh air. And there's a, a place that we just love called Yuba Lake that's uh, just about an hour south of where we live. And I was near the Yuba Lake exit. And so I decided to just pull off and get out and just stretch uh, because I had been so just so tired. And so I pulled off on that exit. And as I pulled off and got out, it was just a beautiful night. There was thick cloud cover, but it wasn't raining yet. Started raining later. But there was this thick cloud uh, cover covering up the moon. There was just no no light out. But uh, as I got out of the car, you know, the headlights stayed on. And uh, so did the, the lights inside. And it was so pretty out there that I got out and I kind of walked in front of the car and uh, walked maybe 15 feet, 15 or 20 feet in front of the car and just stretched. And it was cold out, but boy, that air just felt fantastic. And as I was standing out there stretching, and there was nobody else around, I mean, this was a little ways up off the exit. Uh, As I was standing there, suddenly the headlights and the light inside the car went off. And because of all the clouds, and because I was out in the middle of nowhere, it was suddenly pitch black. And you know how dark it gets right after the lights go off and your eyes haven't adjusted. And there I was, it's kind of a, you know, wilderness type area out there. There was really nothing. Suddenly it was black darkness. And I don't know why, but it scared me. As I looked around, I could barely see the car. And I mean, I was 15 feet uh, in front of it. And I suddenly got quite panicked. And I kind of quickly made my way back over to the car and hopped in and locked the door and was so relieved to open the door and have the lights turn on. And there was light again, and I could see. And it surprised me. It really took 
caught me off guard uh, that this had happened. And I got back in and let me tell you, I was awake because I don't know why I got this scared feeling while I was out there. But as I was thinking about it while I was driving back, I started thinking, you know, I think sometimes we take the light for granted because we live in the light of Christ. We live in with the Spirit. And I would never want to do anything to lose that. I would never want my actions to make it so that the Spirit couldn't be with me. Uh, I was so grateful for that light and the contrast. I don't normally think about it. Uh, You know, we can flip on light switches everywhere we go. But also, I usually live in a way that I get to have the Spirit with me and I get to have that light. It's a good reminder for me not to get casual with these things and not to go to dark places or places that are spiritually dark, but to stay in the light because that light is so valuable. And I don't think we realize it sometimes, or at least I don't. I should speak for myself. I don't realize how valuable that light is until it's gone. And I was grateful for that lesson. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Thank you again so much for tuning in this week. Thanks to my guest, Andrew. Uh, If you get a chance, again, thank you so much for the positive reviews. It sure helps us grow. We do have uh, about 100 five-star reviews now on uh, iTunes, which is kind of drives most of our business. But wherever you listen, if you get a chance to review, that would be great. And uh, of course, we can be found on Facebook and Instagram if you want to stay up on who the next guest is. And we try to kind of post from former guests, kind of showing what they're doing in their lives. Please follow us, uh, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you just search for Latter-day Lives, we will come up. So until next week, when we've got another fantastic interview for you, please remember, as always, there is a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening.